Hey everyone, welcome into the NKY Bracketology Podcast. I'm your host Hunter, joined tonight with Michael and Zach. We're going to talk some top 25s and just a little bit more about Zach's model tonight. Um, right now there's only one big game going and Duke was up pretty big at the half, so there's not a ton of movement, um, so it should be a good night to kind of get a good grip on everything. Currently 53-46 Duke with 12 minutes left. Okay, so yeah, the last time I checked it was halftime, so... Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, Texas and Houston play tonight, so that could potentially impact some of these rankings, but we won't know those until after this is published. Uh, so I'll start with mine tonight. Um, I have UConn, Purdue, North Carolina, Tennessee, Houston, Kansas, Creighton, Alabama, Wisconsin, Arizona, Auburn, Kentucky, Marquette, Duke, Iowa State, Utah State, Texas Tech, Illinois, Dayton, New Mexico, South Carolina, TCU, Ole Miss, San Diego State, and Baylor. Um, so just some notes. From six on down is a mess. <laughs> uh, the top five are pretty consistent, but I mean, it was awful. Um, I don't like Kansas being at six, but I kept them there just because. I don't like it either. Kansas, can't you have Kansas ranked? <laughs> <laughs> How could you? A loss at Iowa State isn't that bad. Yeah, no, they- it's not. Especially since, especially since Iowa State is the number two team in the country. Right. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Number two team in the country on the road. How can you expect to win that game? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just impossible. Nobody would do that. No. Um, other than that, it was a lot of – I just kind of did a lot of shifting. Um, three or four teams jumped into the top 25, and then three fell out. Four fell out, sorry. Um, South Carolina, TCU, Ole Miss, and San Diego State all jumped back in. Um, honestly, all of them had good weeks. Um, Ole Miss had a good, like a solid week. They beat Arkansas by 26. San Diego State beat Wyoming and then just didn't play. And then Brown then got them to move up. Uh, TCU, what a great week. Um, I mean, two road wins is great. They beat Baylor and Oklahoma State on the road. Those are you can't like in the big 12, those are gold. Um, and then mm-hmm. finally South Carolina state or South Carolina, Ooh, uh, South Carolina state. Wow. That, um, that might be in the top uh, 300, maybe, maybe <laughs> pushing it. Um, but South Carolina had a great week uh, beating Kentucky at home. I mean, yeah, they struggled with Missouri, but the job Paris is doing down there is just remarkable. Yes. Too. Um, I didn't expect this this year. Um, one other note, I wish I could flip Marquette and Auburn. I didn't flip them last night. I left them, but I apologize to the Golden Eagle fans. Um, they should be 11th and Auburn 13th, if not further. Um, I, yeah, I would. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead Hunter. Go for it. Um, yeah, I was kind of shocked because Auburn was ninth, right? Last week. Yeah, I so I had him written down as sixth when I was doing this last night. So I thought a five spot drop was pretty good. I looked back after I posted it this, like this morning and realized that I had them ninth. They should probably be behind Texas tech, maybe like 17 or 18 ish. Um, just not a good week. They went zero and two in their first opportunities this year. Yeah. Other than, other talking, than Appalachian state. Well, they've had a couple opportunities early, but like these are their first yeah. real opportunities. And they just completely, like, just didn't come ready to play. Nope. Um, so I do want to apologize for not dropping them far enough. Um, other than that, I don't have anything too crazy. Um, Dayton fell a bunch more because a lot of teams around them had 2-0 and weeks. But you lose to Richmond at the, on the road, it's not a bad loss. No. Um, any questions? I had BYU, Mississippi State, and St. Mary's were my team's like right outside the top 25 that I did not include. So uh, how fa- how far out is FAU? I was getting ready to talk about FAU. They would be the 29th team. So I didn't list them in those first three, but they're next. Um, they've. It's hard because I'm trying to evaluate teams just game to game. But uh-huh. at the same time, FAU's not playing talent. I mean, they gave up over 100 points to – Texas San Antonio and then turned around and only scored like 60 the next game. Mm-hmm. So, like they're just so like wildly different. I'll give them credit for winning different kinds of games, but I mean, it's just not great. And as we've and then, seen during the year, if North Texas had somebody at the end of the game, they could go to, to make a big shot. 
they, they'd be a much they they would have won that game against Florida yeah. Atlantic. Florida Atlantic did not deserve to win that game. Just they got. I mean, it was Davis that hit the three, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, Channel Davis, yeah. Shots, like I mean, and good for him for hitting it. I mean, it great shot that gets you into the tournament. Like those kinds of shots keep you in the tournament, keep you at a decent seed. But I couldn't rank you this week. If they win both games this week, they'll probably end up ranked next week. Had they lost that game, like from a seeding wise, they would have been down to like the eight nine area. Yeah, I have them as a seven right now, so yeah. they would have full seedling. Yeah. Um. Other than that, any questions? I'm good, Hunter. I'm good. Cool. Who wants to go next? Michael, do you want to go? That way we can spend some time on Zach's at the end. Sure. So here's my ranking uh, in order. It goes Purdue, UConn, Houston, North Carolina, Tennessee, Marquette, Arizona, Wisconsin, Kansas, Creighton, Alabama, Utah State, Iowa State, Dayton, Baylor, Clemson, Illinois, Texas Tech, San Diego State, South Carolina at 20, Kentucky, BYU, Oklahoma, Duke, Colorado State, rounds it out. The ones just outside um, would be like the Florida Atlantics. I was going to say, I would have said Memphis before yesterday, not so much anymore. Um, and then it, it it's really tough after that. Uh, Auburn is certainly right just outside of there. They're really probably 26, honestly. Um, we're, I'm just waiting for them to get a quadrant one win at some point. Yeah. Um, and, and the whole thing is they have a bunch of like, if you want to think of it like an actor, like a movie, like they have a bunch of supporting wins, but they don't have that like star, somebody that's going to draw in like the views. So they need they to don't have the, they don't have the Oscar. Right. No. And that's all they need to put a great resume together. They're right there and it'll probably come, but that's just something I forgot to touch on. They're, they're the ones that keep getting the nominations, but not the actual award. Yeah. yeah. They're Leo. Leo just came for go. you. Um, and I'm trying to think of some of the other teams that, you know, I might have thought of that were just out. I, and I may have mentioned to them to you hundreds, but I don't have them on, off the top of my head at the moment. But um, Auburn sticks out. Um, FAU sticks out to me. St. John's a little bit too. And then it's it's hard to find teams after that. Like how close is New Mexico? I mean, closer than they were the day before. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> um, I was gonna say you you can't not rank them after this. My problem is. It, if we're if we're judging, you know, the the Mountain West like a power conference, right? Yep. Instead of yes. just a just a uh, kind of a mid major mid major league, right? My issue with New Mexico is this. So, it's pretty similar to a lot of the um, Big Twelve teams. Okay. Yes, they are fifteenth in the net. They're seventeen and three. That is awesome. But. 13 of 14 of their 17 wins are quadrant three and four. Yep. They're only th- they are only wins. They only have three wins that are not in the top that aren't in the top two quadrants and one, two, all three of them are at home. So and I'd like to see something, you know, th- their best Wait. win away from home, according to the net is Santa Clara. And That's decent, which is decent. Yes. And then their best win on the road is San Jose State. So they're not, they're just, I, I can't get them there yet. Fair. Um, it, it's fair. It, I think, you know, um, the teams that, like I said, they're kind of just out. I mean, I mentioned some of them. Yeah. Uh, I think I, did I take, okay, Oklahoma's still there. I don't love it, but. The problem is, after these first 25, 26, 27, it's really hard to, to find. Like, I dropped Utah. Utah's probably in that next five out of the of the 25. Yeah. Um, it's just hard to find. And that's why when you, when we, we talk about all these, like, seeds and whatnot, it's just brutal. Um, so Ole Miss my... probably is among those, you know, you could argue top five or ten out of it, too. 
So, Mike, if you did a blind resume mm-hmm. with Oklahoma and New Mexico, which one do you think you would pick higher? It's a great question, honestly, um, because I I I dropped Oklahoma several spots for their the way they played recently and what they what they have there. Um, and to mention my my bubble watch thing, I I'm getting close to dropping them from a near lock down to the bubble because they the, it's a five and five quadrant one and two record, which is good, right. it's decent, yeah, yeah. But it's it's not what I usually like to see for for a team that I'm calling a near lock, and I don't like their average net wins being at one eighty five. Two or three weeks ago, that was one thing. We're now more about a, a little over a third of the way through Big 12 play, and their average net wins are still close closer to 200 than 150. Yeah, which is concerning. It is. So, like, if Oklahoma goes out this week and loses to who they have on their schedule, uh, Kansas State and UCF. Yeah, that for sure. If they lose both, I would take them out of of, of the near lock category, and certainly the okay. top 25. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of those are bubble teams, so... And UCF is a fringe bubble team. Yes. Uh, Kansas State is a 10 seed right now, so neither of those are great win- like games. They need to win both of them. Right. Uh, are they both on the road? I thought they were... Yeah, they're, yes. they're all week. So, okay. So, you might- to, mention, to mention some of my actual, like, reasoning, so Purdue, I think, is pretty self, self, self-explanatory self where they are at one. I didn't move UConn-Houston and North Carolina because... There just was no reason to move them anywhere. Yeah, they no. all won. They some won better games than others. UConn blew out Xavier. Houston. Absolute, Sorry, Hunter. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Are, have you recovered? Have you recovered? So honestly, didn't get upset about it at all. Yeah. <laughs> it was what seventeen to three or something like that, and I just sat back and I was like, "Here we go." And that was one of the prettier basketball displays I've ever watched. And honestly, Houston, Kansas State felt very similar. I mean yeah. that was eleven nothing right away. Game over. Yeah, uh, it was never close. It never felt close, and I so I left them there. Tennessee, yeah. there was no reason to move them. I still have them at five. Um, I moved Marquette up to sixth after um, Arizona had the Oregon State loss. I put them at seven after the Oregon win. Um, Wisconsin is at eight ahead of Kansas. Kansas just keeps dropping games or just not looking good. Yeah, like they have not, save for the Oklahoma State blowout, they have not looked good in any game since at uh, the very least since Big Twelve play started, and even before that when they were playing Kansas City and Eastern Illinois. They have I'll, they get Houston this week. That is a big game. Yeah, it is That's big for both, but it's very big for Kansas because it's a home game for Kansas. Yes, yeah. they uh, need. And then you know Kansas is at nine. Eric Creighton is at ten. What, from a from a resume and seating standpoint, to me, that is a very clear top 10 as far as, like, we can talk about the order, but Purdue, UConn, Houston, North Carolina, Tennessee, Marquette, Arizona, Wisconsin, Kansas, and Creighton, that is a pretty clear top 10 to me. I would completely agree. I did not struggle from a seating standpoint until I got – I have Creighton as the last team of those 10, yeah. and they're second two seed, or three seed, and I struggled after that. And then you know, I, I, to me, like ten and eleven is a is almost about a, a big of a gap as Purdue to UConn, and even that's actually probably a smaller gap. Yeah. Uh, so Alabama's at eleven. Uh, they played well lately, and now, kind of like Auburn, we said, give me some quarter one wins, and they have. They have three now. It, yeah. Um, Utah State is at twelve. I mean, that was a really good win to go to Boise State and win that game. Yeah, anything on the road in the Mountain West on those top like six teams yeah, is a good. That's a big deal, and yeah. and that the my previous like eleven through fifteen, everyone lost a game. So that's how Utah State got knocked up. Yeah, not the kind we're talking about. In other ways, uh, <laughs> Iowa State is at thirteen. I didn't move Dayton down much because there was really no reason to. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, especially with. Baylor, yeah. Like, Baylor lost a game, two games. Clemson, these teams all lost games. So Baylor's at 15 because 
there was nobody else to go past them. Uh, okay. But, How did you keep ba- three losses in a row? I know. Your- I guess you're more resume based. I'll allow it. That's the problem is that I couldn't, you know, I, I have him the four seed. So that's, that tracks. If but, Clemson had, if Clemson had gotten a more favorable whistle, maybe at the end of that game against Duke, I, they would have been up a couple spots higher, probably one where, where Utah state and Iowa state are. Yeah. Um, Illinois is at 17 because you have to have somebody at 17. I don't love it. They were not very convincing against Indiana at all. And they lost to Northwestern. And they yeah. lost to Northwestern. And uh, it was overtime on the road. Yeah. Purdue lost to Northwestern. Right. right. But you don't get to climb for going to overtime nope. versus a team. Right. Sure. Uh, Texas Tech is at 18. Quite a last week or so for them, huh? Just, I mean, Texas Tech, I'm bandwagoning on the Texas Tech. Yeah. Band- um, uh, I don't know. I like them. San Diego State just above, just a, a tad bit ahead of South Carolina. I put South Carolina ahead of Kentucky at twenty and twenty-one. South Carolina just beat Kentucky. They don't have the quadrant three loss. I don't, you know, Kentucky's efficiency metrics are are higher, but the resume metrics are actually pretty close. Yeah. And then BYU at twenty-two. Not totally sold on them yet, but they're starting to prove they at least belong in the Big Twelve this year. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma well, is a 20. 20- that's, that's the nice thing about the Big 12. Like, as long as you're a fairly decent team, you're going to get wins. Especially you're at least going to win. Yeah, you're going to win some of your home games at least. Yeah. And BYU is doing that. Yeah. So Oklahoma is down to 23, and they're lucky they're, that other teams behind them didn't pick up better wins because I would have dropped them further. For the reasons that I've we, that we've just discussed yeah. about Oklahoma, yeah. uh, I don't like having Duke at twenty four. I don't think they're really a. T- I I've yet to see them consistently show they're a top twenty five team. But and a top twenty five, you have to have twenty five teams, and Duke made the cut barely. As for Colorado State, I know they lost to Wyoming. So the question is, why are they still in the top twenty five? Well, I dropped them fifteen spots from tenth down to twenty five. That's a pretty big drop. Yeah. Uh, I had them at 10 just ahead of Creighton because of the 20-point win over them. But now that you add a quad three loss like that, that changes things. Yeah. And Rothstein said something after the color, or the yeah, the Colorado State loss in Wyoming that, like, Wyoming has just been where teams have gone to die this year. And that's kind of true. I mean, Wyoming's mm-hmm. pushed over in the Mountain West, and everybody has to go out there. It's not going to be an easy place to pick up a win. And Nevada lost there, which that really yeah. started to hurt them. And I, they're going to have a tough time yeah. getting good feet. Had they done well in Wyoming, they probably would have gotten away with what happened last night. Yeah. But at, with know. what happened last night and Wyoming, they're probably sitting in the next four out now. Yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest drops I've dropped a team. They're going to have to win their home games and probably at least one, maybe two on the road. Yeah, absolutely. And at least one of them is going to have to be one of the other top five teams. That's the thing we talk about, like, the ACC having landmines. Yep. But the Mountain West, they don't have as many landmines because, like, the top half of the conference is is really pretty good. Yes. But, like... Again, you have to play Wyoming on the road. And, yeah, like we've said, it's not an easy place to play. You could pick up a quad three loss, and then that really puts you – that really sets you back. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, not Louisville bad, but it's close. (laughs) Really, Mike? I had to. This is rubbing salt in the wound. They rub salt all over their wound on Saturday, okay? <laughs> they they made they made Virginia look like a fluid offensive basketball team while looking looking like they couldn't make a shot. It was yeah. almost as bad as the uh, Xavier and UConn game. Yeah, except that you know, well, UConn it was both. almost as bad as the Houston Kansas State game, <laughs> and really, I think it would have been as bad. But Virginia kind of let off the gas a little they bit. Did, like yeah. They did. 
I don't know, they were up by like 28 or something like that at like with of like five minutes to play or something. Well, that and Virginia yeah. doesn't have the offensive capability to sustain what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. They can't, they, yeah, they just don't have that. They've never had that. Never. <laughs> um, one point like... I wanted to mention about the Big 12, we kind of touched on it, but with BYU and Cincinnati and even UCF being good this year, we knew Houston was going to be good. Mm-hmm. But those three teams were like big question marks. Those three being actually like good and looking like they belong has gone such a long way to making the Big 12 the best conference in the country like this year. There was some question whether the Big East or maybe the SEC would be the better conference this year just because those teams were expected to drag the conference down, but they haven't. And that's going to result in at least one more bid, if not two extra bids for the conference as a whole. Um, yeah. so that's an underrated part, like good job on all three of those programs for kind of getting their crap together, coming out of the respective conferences and doing well. And Hunter and I talked about this a lot in the offseason about whether or not they'd be able to do so. I really didn't think they would. I didn't think so. Well. I thought it would take Cincinnati at least one year to be competitive. I thought UCF would be the dumpster fire of the Big 12. And I thought BYU had a chance at a bubble team. But, I mean, they're a four seed for me right now. Like what I, honestly, I thought BYU, I thought BYU would honestly be the one to be cannibalized, because they like the last couple of years in West Coast play had not been kind to them. No, yeah, that's fair. And that's fair. they had shooting. I, mean, I don't know why, but I liked the shooting. Yeah. I I do wonder though, with it being the first year for them, how much of like a, they're the new ones, so that the other Big Twelve teams haven't seen them as much. Once they have like a full year on a full year of like you know video and on, on how on their schemes and how they run plays and stuff, yeah, run defenses, it may be different next year. I mean, all yeah, three of the coaches right. show up and prove it next year. Like you're getting away, like you said, with that a little bit, but next year it's time to scheme and it's time to get ready. That's why we see the Big East teams just eat each other alive every year. Same thing in the Big Ten. Like they're so familiar. The styles are same. Like it doesn't change. Like even look look at the uh, what is it five or four five or so teams that came up from Division two to Division one. All of them had some success last year. Yeah. This year, outside of St. Thomas. Outside of who? St. Thomas. No, but I'm talking about the ones that came up last year. Like, yeah. Like um... Queens is still having some some success. Okay. Yeah. But like Southern Indiana, Lindenwood. Yeah. Not so much. There. Stonehill. Not so well, much. Well, I think what happens to a lot of those is the fact that they won't be able to play in an NCAA tournament for four years. Like the players, like they come in with a really good, you know, Division two squad mm-hmm. and they can, you know, they can be competitive in a lower tier Division one conference. But then their players start transferring out. Yeah. Um, maybe their head coach gets picked off. Um, so, you know, all these different things kind of combine to just like destroy them. Yeah. Basically, in their in their second or maybe their third year. Yeah, and I don't have any like data to back that up, but I was assuming that like especially with NIL on the portal that we were seeing, we would see a lot of transfers from those schools now. Yeah. Just they can't go to the tournament. Like they don't have as much resources just in general. So they're primed to just be picked over um, kind of like a farm system. Right. For some of these. Yeah. So start to see that a lot. I think um, the key is going to be finding good players that you can develop. And then honestly, just capitalizing over like their breakout year. Like, that's what you're going to have to do as a lower major team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Zach, do you have any questions for Mike? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Mike, or Zach, do you want to get into your top 25? Sure. Let's do it. Um, Okay. So I have Houston, Iowa State, same old, same old, Connecticut, Alabama, Tennessee, TCU, Arizona, Duke, North Carolina, Purdue, Kansas, Baylor, Auburn, Gonzaga, and St. Mary's. That's the top 15. 
New Mexico, Illinois, Marquette, Michigan State, Virginia, Texas A&M, Cincinnati, Kentucky, Pitt, and Mississippi State. Um, honestly, I don't have any notes to really talk. I've been on the road for like the last 24 hours, so I hadn't really had time to like do kind of like, you know, what my surprises were or like, you know, talk about how things have changed or anything like that. Um, but if you guys have any questions for me, um, we can certainly take a look. Um, I'll start with Texas Tech. Sure. We had a ton of banter back and forth today and some just straight insults flying, um, at one point about Texas Tech and Texas A&M. Okay. Yeah. Um... So, on paper, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot that separates them. So, Texas A&M is their 282nd in effective field goal percentage margin, 64th in turnovers per possession margin, first in offensive rebounding margin, and 104th in free throws made per shot margin. Those so are the four propped up by the offensive rebounding. Yes. And okay. I will talk about like the effect that that has for Texas A&M in, in a few minutes. But so these are, these are the four factors and they're the building blocks of offensive and defensive efficiency. If you want to do them really well on offense and you want to make sure your opponents do them really poorly on defense. Um, so I'll also note with Texas A&M, uh, one of the preseason factors that I use is uh, career points returning. Um, which is basically just how many um points each of your players on your roster have scored over their career. Um, there's a little bit more that goes into it, but that's that's a good, um, like, basic starting point. Okay. Um, so they have 6,084 of those. And to give you a little bit of an idea, every 1,000-point difference between you and your opponent is about seven tenths of a point in your projected margin of victory. Um, so it's not, it's not like a large, it doesn't have a large impact for most games, but like if you're looking at, you know, once you start kind of looking at two and 3000 point differences, that can really, that can really add up. Okay. Um, so then for Texas Tech, um, they are 77th in effective field goal percentage, 70th in turnovers per possession, 218th in offensive rebounding margin, and 6th in free throws per shot margin. And so, what overall do you know? What's that, Hunter? What Sorry. They, what are they overall? They're 53rd. Okay. Um, so, in a, in a head-to-head, uh, Texas A&M would beat Texas Tech at home by about seven and a half points. And Texas A&M would beat Texas Tech by um, about a point and a half um, on the road, like at Texas Tech. Um, but the biggest factor in that is Texas A&M is getting like a five and a half point advantage from their offensive rebounding. Okay. So <clears throat> that's 
yeah, that's a huge chunk of, of where they're getting that. And honestly, like they're number one in that metric and it's not close. There's like, they have like a three point advantage over number two okay. on that. Um, and yeah, that, that gives them a, a really good, um, a, a really healthy boost. Um, I mean, that's, to put it in like a little bit simpler terms, maybe make sure I'm right. Sure. On, um, that's like some of these teams, like we see like Iowa state, like running the scores up on these low major teams. Like that's kind of the balance. Like A&M is such an elite, like offensive rebounding team. And then there's such an elite just rebounding team in general, from what I understand of the metric that it mm. helps prop them up. So they're yep. doing that one thing at like such a high level that it's really helping prop them up. Is that yeah. right? Okay. And Texas A&M um, is one of those teams that because they've played such a tough schedule, if they do get to the tournament, talk about being battle-tested. Yeah. Well, so kind of just an, another way to help you guys kind of visualize or maybe like think about this, like it, from a practical standpoint. So Texas A&M averages 18 second chance points per game because of their offensive rebounding. Yeah. So, like, if you took that away, they'd be probably... They'd practically be an average team because they're not a good shooting team. They... They don't turn the ball over that much. They have a they have an okay turnover margin. And then their free throws give them a little bit of they give them it gives them a little bit extra but not much i think so, one th- i think one thing i'm curious about it and i'd be asking ken palm the same thing because uh you've got gonzaga what was it at uh let's see 14 14 and ken palm has gonzaga at 22 okay so gonzaga just went through a game against pacific that they really <laughs> really struggle with for a long time and Pacific ranks way down at the bottom of division one to put it into reference Pacific would make Louisville or DePaul look good exactly so my question is no, and, and by Hunter that's that's bold did you see what, I, did you see what St. Mary's did to them the game before yeah I did so I guess the question is how is Gonzaga still where they are and not lower Well, that's a good question, Mike. Um, definitely, they they are starting to separate themselves a little bit from their conference. Like from Pacific, I, I know the I I I no, I know the Pacific <laughs> game is not great, but they they've also like. Uh, they played San Diego a while ago, like a couple, a week or two ago. I hope they and... separated from them. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, let me just pull up their metrics really quick so I don't, like. Gonzaga's? Yeah. Okay. So, they're 11th in effective field goal percentage margin. They're 101st in turnovers per possession, 75th in offensive rebounding, and 92nd in free throws made per shot. So, I mean, especially the the effective field goal percentage, that's key. Like, if there's one metric to do well, it's that one. The other things still matter. Like, Indiana State is, I think this week they dropped, but last week they were the number one shooting team in the country. Um, that was a great game they, between Indiana State and, and uh, Bradley, by the way. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but again, they don't they don't do the other stuff well, and from a again to put this in perspective, if you look at the um, the team stats from their game against Michigan State, for example, 
they outshot Michigan State and lost by 12 yep. because Michigan State out-offensive rebounded them. Which they Indiana should. State they turned, a 10-team playing, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, Michigan State – or Indiana State turned the ball over more than Michigan State, and they made 12 fewer free throws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, again – that those those other things mattered. You know, I, I've been I've been asked about like about like a team that I that I'd like to rank that I wish I could. Indiana State's been one of those for a long time, but I you know if if they were to beat uh, Drake this weekend and then continue winning more games after that, I might consider it. But I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, they're. They're they're definitely fun to watch. They are. I mean, I watched that game against Michigan State, and like when they're on, they are just a, a blast. They're to fun watch. to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um. So this is where we can start to talk about some of the differences between like me and Ken Palm. So Ken Palm is looking at overall like offensive and defensive efficiency. And I'm doing something similar, but by breaking it into the four factors, which are highly correlated, or like, yeah, there's a strong relationship between the four factors and the like the offensive and defensive efficiency. Yeah. But by breaking it down, we can start to see what teams do well and what they don't do well and how those metrics kind of interact with each other like I think Ken Palm has where does Ken Palm have Indiana State yeah. I can pull it up Indiana State uh, uh, yeah Indiana State 37 30. yeah. yeah okay and I have or I had them 60th last week let me see where they um Because, again, they shoot well, but they don't do the other things well. Yeah. So, you, they honestly might be one of those teams that performs really well against their conference, but you wouldn't necessarily want them to win a big-time matchup, or yet you wouldn't expect them to win a big-time matchup against a team that, does you know that's athletic and has a lot of size yeah right yeah or just Um, like are they one of the teams that's like kind of gaming the metrics a little bit indiana state yeah like not Um, like gaming it as in like schedule but like are they just one of those teams that like looks better on a predictive metric than like they're actually capable of doing well i think beating southern illinois 77 to 48 helps a lot um yeah Things like being Belmont ninety four to sixty four, they they scored one hundred and three against Rice. Like they score a lot of points. I mean, they beat Southern Indiana ninety eight to fifty four. So yeah. to answer your question, in a way, yes. Because I mean, well, looking at it, like the only top seventy five teams they've played. I'm on Kim Palm's website, but they've played Bradley twice. Yep, they're seventy fourth in Kim Palm, and then they've played Alabama, Michigan State, and Drake. They have lost to Bama, Michigan State, Drake while beating Bradley. So, like, are they really the 37th best team in the country? Like, I kind of like Zach's number of, you said 60, right? Yeah. Like, I kind of like 60 better than 37. And then that has them at 24. So, so, here, so again, here's here's where to, here's how to think about it. Indiana State is shooting lights out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when they have to, like you said, Mike, when they play a bigger, more athletic ta- team that is also very capable of playing defense, like, again, Indiana State, sh- outside of shooting threes, they really didn't have anything against Michigan State. Michigan State um, was able to kind of keep them out of the paint um they they had the size advantage so like any well not any but a lot of their uh missed shots were rebounded um yeah. for like second chance points and things like that like 
those things compounded and cost Indiana State the game. Okay. Um, so, again, when you look at Indiana State come tournament time, do you expect them to beat, say, say they come in as a 12 seed, do you expect them to beat um, Hunter? Who's a, who's a good five seed that you have? How about Clemson, maybe? Kentucky. Kentucky. All yes. right, let's go to Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, Indiana State, Kentucky. And Kentucky, honestly, can shoot the ball, too. Kentucky would beat Indiana State both at shooting and inside. Yeah. So, that was a bad pick for trying to give Indiana State credit. I like Indiana State, not taking I, Oh, I do, too. I was going to say maybe like, Clemson, there, but... There's yeah. not... Like, And I'd honestly just watch a game of, like, pure shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just see which team can shoot the ball better. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Indiana State, Kentucky would be fun. It'd it be, would be pretty high flowing, like good basketball. Hey, NCAA committee, can we just like say that right now? Like, give us Indiana State, Kentucky. Well, hold on. Here's the issue, though. I have Indiana State as a nine seed. Ooh. And that's like the consensus right now. So we're talking an eight nine game. Okay, that's not so one fun. All right, Hunter. All right, so is like okay, so. Maybe maybe they could win an eight nine matchup again. You know, depending on who the eight seed is, their shooting might just carry them over. But then they face the one seed, and give them Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, that <laughs> that could be fun. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would be fun. Um, it would kind of. I would think it would be a lot like the Alabama game, the Purdue Alabama game. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so I don't know if that clears some things up for you guys, but like, this is where breaking the efficiency um, metrics down into the four factors again. It gives you a look at what teams do well and what they do poorly. And then when we, when I rank them, you kind of get a chance to see like, okay, how does, how do these things interact with each other to create like a good team versus a bad team? Yeah. And, you know, for all the questions about Zach's model and why hasn't he been terminated? uh... (laughs) I'm still wondering the same thing. Uh, you know, if you look at some of these things, like Houston at Houston at number at one. If you if you go to Ken Palm, Houston is at one. If you look at the next one, uh, Iowa State is two. Iowa State is twelfth at Ken Palm. That's not that. You know, UConn There's is fifty-two teams. There's not fifty or twenty-five teams. UConn like... UConn is at three in both yours and Ken Palm. Yeah. Uh, Alabama is fourth in yours and eighth in, in Ken Palm. Yes. Tennessee is fifth and fourth in Ken Palm. Uh, TCU is sixth in yours and I'm going to guess a little 23rd 20. in, the, in Ken Palm. Well, Arizona. Ar- one of those outliers too. Yeah. Like Zach has acknowledged that. Yes. Uh, Arizona is at seven in, in yours and they are... Fifth in, fifth in Ken Palm. Duke is at eighth in yours and at 14th in Ken Palm. North Carolina is just below them. Huh. How that's, that's funny. Uh, and there, there's, <laughs> there's almost no difference I know. between North Carolina and Duke. And North Carolina is at sixth in, uh, in Ken Palm. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Purdue at 10. And then in Ken Palm, they are at two. Yeah. So I will say this because now you brought up Purdue. So Purdue is the 254th team in turnovers per possession margin. If you want to beat Purdue, turn them over. Yeah. And if you're Purdue, because we might have some Purdue fans listening, if you're Purdue, work on not turning the ball over or at least turning your opponents over more. Because that's honestly, like, that's the one thing, like, 
people say like well why like you have purdue at 10 they're like a consensus number one team or something like that like it's it's the turnovers yeah and i will say i'm looking at ken palm now turnovers they don't turn the ball over a ton it looks like um they're 62nd in offensive non-steal turnovers they do are they are however 219th in steal percentage for turnovers but they don't turn teams over either. Right. 285 in steal percentage and 315 in non-steal turnovers. So they just – they don't play with pace. They – if you speed Purdue up, that's how you beat them. Yeah, and I don't know that – and the rest of the Big Ten doesn't play that kind of like speed them up style. Yeah. Most of it's like drag it down, try and get this game in the 60s and see if we can win. Well, look at – I mean, there are two losses, 92 to 88. Yeah. 88. 72. Right. But them were higher scoring games. And that's not to say like Purdue's been scoring 80 and 90 points versus a lot of these. Yeah. But yeah. Like they, I, they did it against Arizona and Alabama. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I think Purdue is definitely a different team this year than they were last year. But that, that, that metric is the one thing that like it's, it's holding them back. And if, like, if if they played a, a team like Houston, who is number one in that turnover, in the turnover margin, yeah, like, I, I think that's a game that could, number one, I think that would be fun. That would be really fun. That would be a rock. Um, that would not be fun. <laughs> That'd be in the 50s. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Well, it might be, but... Houston is 10th in effective field goal percentage and Purdue is fifth. So like, I think you, you'd actually probably see, well, I don't know. So Duke just won at Virginia tech 77 to 67. So, 12 overall on my seat list then. Yeah. That's a quadrant one win. It is They're top four seed pushing for a three. Yeah. And Virginia Tech, they really needed that one. Yeah. The ACC needed that. We had some questions about the ACC. Yeah. I had some more on my bracket, but I will talk about them here. Um, I have a three-bid ACC right That's now. all I can see right now. I mean, I'm sorry, but there's Wake Forest, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech. They're all missing those, like, key wins to get them in. Syracuse, they're farther back, but missing that, like, big thing to put them over the top. Yeah. If you want to get there, win some games. Yeah. Duke, and and- – you know, beat the good teams in your league, which unfortunately yeah. there's not many. Like somebody asked us a couple weeks ago if it would be better for the Big Twelve to have two, like a dominant team or two, yeah. or to have all this pandemonium. You can look right now; it's a great case study. Look at what we're talking about with the Big Twelve. We're talking. I mean, there's serious conversations for a ten bid league there, and then there is serious conversations for a three bid ACC. Yeah. Like they're polar opposites when it comes to the dominant like stuff, but. There's something to be said about that. I mean, Virginia Tech's going to wake up tomorrow and be seven and eight under five under five hundred against the top three quadrants. Yeah, but and okay. So here's here's an from an alternate perspective. So the Big Ten has gotten nine teams in the field the last three tournaments. They're not going to do it this year, but they've gotten nine. In yep. the last three, and they've just been abused. Yep. And I mean, okay, they did have you know Purdue was a one seed last year. Yep. Um, so, so you would have expected them to make a Final Four run, but like, is it better for honest? Like, is it better for the ACC actually to have? like Duke, North Carolina, and maybe Clemson just separate themselves from the ACC and they get a three-bid, like they are a three, maybe four-bid league. And then Duke and North Carolina just go on, you know, a, a deep run. So or... that's great for the league if they can go deep. But the issue is, you're still just sitting here. What is the league outside of Duke and North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I do, even though Virginia Tech lost today, 
they might actually have the fourth best resume. They have a they have a neutral court win over Iowa State. They've beaten Clemson, beat Boise State on a neutral court, won at NC State. That's pr- I mean, it's it's better than looking through like you know, say Wake Forest, where you know you it's hard to find any team that we think are tournament teams that they've beaten. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that Florida the tournament team yet. Um. Florida's fifth out right now. They're close, but they it's kind of like Mark or Alabama or Auburn. Wow. Four different teams. Kind of like Auburn. They need that one like marquee win. Yeah. Their metrics aren't good enough to get them up into the bracket like Auburn's are. And Florida State's further out. Miami's probably further out. Syracuse is further out. NC State, I moved them down to the fringe. There is yeah. nothing, nothing there. And uh, you can't lose to Louisville. No, I you can't. Definitely- Lose to Louisville at home. Yeah, I went back to Miami for a second, but yeah. you can't. I'm not putting you in the bracket if you're losing to Louisville. And <laughs> it isn't just the losing to to Louisville. It's things like playing close games with Florida International. It's things like you know playing a close game with LaSalle. Yeah. That has hurt their metrics overall, and it just. It just doesn't have the look of a tournament team. There's a reason why their res- their resume metrics are around 60. Yeah. Which you can get in with predictive metrics in the 60s. Re- teams with resume metrics in the 60s do not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, again, resume metrics are going to be used for selection. Yes. Predictive metrics are going to be used for seeding. That is a big thing to keep in mind as you hear anybody talk. Um, that's what the committee has leaned on for years. So that I don't see that changing. So as I start to see resume teams with resume b- metrics in the nineties, there's, there's going to be less and less of them in, in my, even my fringe bubble as we get closer towards the election yeah. Sunday, pretty soon it'll be like, if you're in, if you're in the nineties, you're out. If you're yes. in the eighties, you know, a week or so later, you're out, you know, but yeah, absolutely. So, um, that I think I still think Virginia Tech is the next best at, at bet as a as the next at large team out of there, but I don't know. There's they, a group Wake, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are yeah. all right, like a clump yeah. together, and one of them needs to separate. We talked about Duke and North Carolina separating. We need one of those three to separate and get some wins, and then they'll jump up into the bracket. I think the ACC will get a fourth team at least, but somebody's got to do something or. It's- you're going to start running out of time. Virginia does have the win over Texas A&M at home, but now we're not even sure if A&M's going to make the tournament. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Agreed. Zach, I had one more question for you. Go for it. Um, Pitt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I looked at Mississippi State and Pitt. Um, I also looked at Cincinnati. But Mississippi State and Cincinnati are relatively close in most metrics. Um, to that like 25 to 35 range. So I'm not as wowed by them being there. But Pitt is 70th on Ken Palm, for instance. Mm-hmm. You have them at 24th. I know it's been a whole thing all year, but what do they do really well? Well, so they they have the offensive rebounding. Okay. Uh, they're 14th in that metric. But honestly, unlike Texas A&M, they're actually pretty well balanced. Okay. They're 107th in effective field goal percentage, which doesn't sound stellar, but then they're 68th in turnovers per possession, um, 14th in offensive rebounding, and 185th in free throws. Well, okay. I would hope so, so when in the non-conference you play Canisius, Florida Gulf Coast, Binghamton, Jacksonville, South Carolina State. <laughs> North Carolina A&T, Purdue, Fort Wayne, you know. Well, hey, Purdue, Fort Wayne is pretty good to start the season. No. (laughs) No one even thought they would be. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm not giving you Purdue, Fort Wayne tonight. (laughs) Anyway. I love their two and and six uh, Q1 and two record, too. Yes. And six and eight Q1 through three record. They're lucky they have a spot on my fringe bubble. They probably shouldn't. So I, Q1 and 1 through 3, you keep mentioning that. That is important 
the committee has shown like there's been a trend and it's not like something the committee will say. Yeah. But you don't get in with a losing record in quadrant one through three. Quadrant one and two, you can get into with a losing record. Of course. When you add three into that, you cannot get in if you have a losing record in those three quadrants combined. I, I, I barely even I only put, you know, Q4 on my on my on my bid watch team sheet because it's part of it. But otherwise, I don't look at it. Like I well, take pay you with a loss. That's yes, when it gets. That's the only thing I look at. Is there yes. a loss? I with these with Q three losses, I look to see how close is it actually to a Q two. Yeah. If it's Q four, I don't care how close it is to a Q three. Because <laughs> yeah. more than likely you lost to a bottom half of the Division one team. Yeah. And I wanted to. I'll bring it back to Zach's model a little bit here, but. Just wanted to say, like, there's 362 teams in the country. Zach's model, we're showing his top 25. I think we've kind of, like, highlighted pretty well tonight. He's pretty close on most of the big teams. Yeah. There's outliers. But I think the big thing here, and if you're still listening to this, you're probably not being disrespectful or the people that, like, we're trying to talk to. But he's trying to, like, work on it. This is his first year public. It's not like he's saying – Here's my model. I'm not changing it. I'm not being flexible. I'm not going to explain it. Like he's here to explain it. He'll talk to you through whatever. Um, just come at him with questions. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've said it before. Like if you honestly, if you just want to know, like where was Texas Tech in your rankings? Like how close are they? Like I'll I'll give you the their numbers. I will say. One of the advantages of, you know, Ken Palm and Bart Torvik and a little bit of the BPI, um, they're overall fairly simple to understand. And they give you a nice, like, um, like efficiency metric. Um, you know, by breaking it into the four factors and adding in some sort of, like, keep calling it preseason stuff um, because it kind of is, but um, just like non-performance related um, metrics. um, I'll admit like my model can get kind of confusing to understand. Um, And so like, you know, maybe I just, I need to do a better job explaining it. Hopefully um, our conversation tonight has helped with that. Um, but, um, you know, I think the advantages are, I think it treats the game with kind of the complexity that it's played at the disadvantages. That's not always clear to, um, people who aren't familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, like, there are those outliers where like Wisconsin is 10th in Ken Palm and uh, I don't even know where I have them. They're not in the top 25. Where yeah, are they not in the top? They're 30th actually. So they're, they're getting there. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, you know, things like that happen. And... I think for Wisconsin, things like losing to Penn state and barely getting past Minnesota isn't helping their cause. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I don't really want to compare them to Memphis because they they did things better than Memphis, especially like, um, especially once like, Memphis, especially once Memphis became Memphis again. Yes, <laughs> but like, yeah, Wisconsin had some of those like really questionably close, like uh, they, I think it was Robert Morris. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like. They they've been okay in in Big Ten play, but honestly, yeah, I I'm not entirely sure where why Ken Palm has them so high. Well, and part of the thing with Wisconsin is, and the Big Ten after Purdue themselves, Illinois, who else? I mean, it's a lot of just yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we just saw Nebraska go to Maryland, who's been pretty bad this year, and just get, after the first five minutes, get run off the floor. Yeah. Um, Northwestern has looked great at times and has lost to, and has lost to Chicago State. Yeah. 
So Iowa has a nice road win and yet somehow takes a bad home loss at some point. You know, it, it's hard to imagine. But, there's, just, there's too much inconsistency there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so looking at Wisconsin on Ken Palm, it looks like they do really well from a offensive standpoint. They're fourth in the country in offensive efficiency and then 43rd in defensive efficiency. Um, they rebound offensive rebounding percentage is used by Ken Palm and it's pretty good for them as well. 92nd on offense and seventh on defense. Um, so that might be just part of why they're the way that they are. Yeah. Um, and every model is going to be different. You don't want somebody to sit here and just rip off Ken Palm. Yeah. Right. Sorry, but that wouldn't be fun. That wouldn't be insightful. Honestly, it'd end up in a lawsuit. Like it just wouldn't Hmm. be anything it's so, it's a it's about as bad as like when somebody goes wants to make wants to do bracketology goes to bracket matrix and then just copies that uh, and puts it down yeah yeah and, and we, then you ask them and they're like i don't know <laughs> and bracketology as well as having a model the bigger thing is that you'll sit down and explain it like 75 percent of what i do with brackets is responding to people and telling them why mm-hmm the other 25 is actually building the bracket. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know that sounds crazy, but like the big names don't do that. And that's the problem with some of the big names and why people don't like them as much. Um, but the same thing could be said about like some of these predictive models. Um, most of the big predictive guys are great about answering questions, but you want to see people answering questions and kind of building. Nothing's ever perfect. And if you treat it like it is, that's the problem. Right. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, Matt, recommend Matt on Twitter. Just going to say, I don't agree with the Texas Tech ranking. I just don't want you coming at my throat in the morning. You've came at my throat the past, like, five days for random things. So here's my <laughs> little blurb. I like Texas Tech more than the models do. I think they're a top 15, 20 team right now. I do think there might be a little bit of water finding its level. But Texas Tech is solid. The Big 12 is probably going to get nine bids there. I gave some respect to the Big 12 and to Texas Tech. Hmm. Anything else you guys want to add? Um, nope. I I can add that it, it doesn't look like we're going to have that as much of a dramatic uh, type of finish with uh, McBeast this Monday. Why? They're up, they're up 10 against Northwestern State just into the second half, about four minutes nice. in. Nice. Not the, not the margin they'd want, but not as, you know. It's just a win at this point. Yeah. They're not an at-large team, so. Don't matter. Unless they win their remaining regular season games. I, I keep going back to the fact that we haven't seen a three loss team get left out before. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it can't happen. It can happen, but we'll see what happens. Um, McNeese or Princeton could be the case study. Princeton's not getting in without it with another loss. They, they need, they need the, um, like the Rutgers wins and the uh, Hofstra and Delaware wins to get back to Q2. Yeah, I I would say Princeton's just out looking in at this point. Um, Well, that's all we have for you guys today. A little bit closer to an hour this time, so we're getting better at that. Um, Please let us know if you have any questions or comments. Um, We'll be on, um, it'll probably be on your feed on Saturday morning with T3 Bracketology. Um, Really excited to talk with him. He'll have some great insight for everybody. Uh, So make sure you subscribe, like, that way it'll come into your feed Saturday morning. Get you started before the uh, games get started on Saturday. Because it's going to be an awesome slate. Yeah, it will. It will. Tennessee, Kentucky. Duke and and Carolina, yeah. Uh, Purdue's playing Wisconsin this weekend. Yeah, I mean. Finally. Absolutely. A loaded slate. Like, this might be the best weekend this year. Indiana, Indiana State and Drake play again. And there's and Princeton and Yale play. Yep. Um, there's some great basketball all up and down the schedule. So make sure you're tuned in. Um, cancel your plans and get in front of a couple TVs. Although honestly, if you've been invited to a wedding, go to the wedding. Don't 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 cancel going to a wedding over sports. Are you going to a wedding on Saturday or something? No, I'm just okay. but like people do that. Like you said, you know, cancel your plans. I'm thing. like, you know what? If you know, people who people who do that, I, I don't agree with If that. they're really your friends, they'll let you watch basketball. <laughs> Speaking from experience, 
No, you know what? You, you know what? If I if I had friends who were like deeply devoted to sports, I would deliberately schedule a game on a day that their team plays, and then yeah. see how see if they would show up. Yeah, if they're really my friend, they'll choose me over sports. Wow. Okay, Zach, we've I've been nice about your model agreements, <laughs> but come on. <laughs> pushed it a little far out. I made sure our wedding was in April. Well, it's supposed to be in May. Our wedding got rescheduled four different times because of COVID. But ah, yes. Be in May and then September and then October and then we ended up having it in April. But it for sure was not going to be during basketball season. Hmm. Well, okay, I can under like I can understand <laughs> if you're gonna like if you're gonna discuss things with your you know betrothed and say like okay like you know it's it's basketball season you know november through april basketball season anytime after that we're good basketball season like, that's, wedding season that's... basketball season wedding season <laughs> i mean i'm good with that <laughs> no seriously go do important things basketball will be here we're just bam <laughs> bantering at this point yes but thank you guys for listening thank you yeah we we appreciate it from all of you we will be back soon